Welcome to Pocketful of Grace, weekly podcast of Grace Lutheran Church here in State College, Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Carolyn Hetrick, and I'm here with Pastor Scott Schull as we prepare for the 19th Sunday after Pentecost, October 16, 2022. Pray always, do not lose heart. This is Christ's encouragement in the gospel today. Wrestle with the word. Come regularly to Christ's table. Persistence in our every encounter with the divine will be blessed. Pastor Shaw will lead us into our encounter with the prayer of the day. O Lord God, tireless guardian of your people, you are always ready to hear our cries. Teach us to rely day and night on your care. Inspire us to seek your enduring justice for all this suffering world through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I wish I could say that I always rely first and always on God. You, me both. You know, uh, I think that there is a real honesty in this prayer um, that we continually need to be taught. Every time we enter some new phase or situation in our lives, um, we're really just like children. We have to remember that, yes, what you've learned applies to this time too. Yeah, and that relates to one of Luther's great theological gifts to us, the reminder that the things we rely upon or, or cling to, to use his language, those are in essence our gods, and that the condition of human sin can most reliably be diagnosed by some honest reflection on those things that we're relying upon or, or clinging to that likely aren't always God. Yeah, and normally I would say, let's spend some more time on the prayer of the day, but I really, really want to talk about uh, people relying on all kinds of other things in their lives like we have with Jacob in Genesis. I'll just add one, one real brief quick thing. Uh, the relying is not just for our own benefit. Again, the prayer does a wonderful job of, of reminding us that this reliance on God is for our own benefit and for the suffering world. So I, I wanted to just make sure that we always have that in the forefront of our mind, that we have a collective nature about us as Christians and not just an individual one. Right, which is, of course, where the gospel will ultimately lead us. Indeed. Well, our first reading for this week is Genesis 32, uh, verses 22 to 31. The same night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maids, his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream, and likewise, everything that he had. Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he struck him on the hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. The man said, You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with humans, and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please, tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life is preserved. The sun rose upon him as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. Great story, isn't it? It is. And you know, I think what makes this an even better story than the drama here is remembering who Jacob is. That's right. That's you key. Know, I mean, if we only hear this story and we don't take this all the way back to 
other times when Jacob was itching for blessing. Yep. Um, we, we miss out on the richness of what's been happening in his life that gets him to this point. Yeah, as has been said before, Jacob in this story is transformed from the schemer to a great leader. Yeah. Um, and this transformation that occurs in him is one that sort of defines uh, the entirety of Israel eventually. Um, a, a people just like Jacob of human frailty, uh, but a people that cling stubbornly to God, um, expecting, uh, hopeful of, of a blessing, um, never giving up. And, and that's, uh, that's inspiring. It is. Before we get to that, though, we should at least remember, in case it's been a while since you've thought about Jacob and his story in Genesis, Jacob was once determined to grab a blessing yeah. um, from his brother. Yep. who deserved it and tricks his father into giving him the blessing that Esau deserved. And then is sent on his way uh, where he eventually finds a woman who captures his attention and he is very determined that he wants to marry Rachel, the daughter of the, uh, the shepherd. And he says, well, you got to work for me for seven years. And Jacob, starstruck, works for seven years believes that he's marrying Rachel, who has a sister, Leah, as well, who, Scripture says, is not as appealing for whatever reason. But when the veil is lifted on the woman who has become his bride, it's not Rachel. Right. Right? It's Leah. And he's furious that he's been tricked, which is really sort of ironic given his history. And then he works another seven years in order to uh, be able to marry Rachel. And there's a lot of drama that happens in all of that. But here he is, and he's worried because he hears that Esau is coming for him. Which is why in the first few verses, he sends his family and his possessions away, uh, fearful that Esau will take his revenge upon Jacob for what Jacob had done. And it's not entirely clear whether that's all intended to be violence or whether it's also intended to take everything that Jacob considers to be his. Mm -hmm. But for whatever reason, then, there he is, and... Now, after all his striving and all of the things that he's been seeking to accumulate and people in his life that he's been seeking to accumulate, he's there completely alone and empty-handed. Yeah. And yeah. that's when the angel comes. Sometimes it's only when we are alone and out of options that we can recognize that angel or that heavenly message or, or that little uh, whisper from God. Um, I, I once uh, asked my spiritual director if if it's still true, as it seems to be in the Bible, that God speaks to us through dreams. And he said, well, it sure is in my life, because sometimes that's the only time I shut my mouth long enough to listen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that certainly resonated with me as well. I, I really uh, love how Jacob, uh, in this moment of aloneness, finally gets, I think, the clarity that he so needed. And I think the wrestling is both physical, of course, we see the physical manifestation of that, but is also uh, the wrestling that we do with God in right. our lives. And that's why part of why I really appreciate this reading is I think pretty much all of us can identify times that we have felt or we feel like we're wrestling with God mm -hmm. and we're you know searching for a blessing, we're searching for something in our lives. Um, we're wondering why things aren't going the way that we would like them to go or where God's word hits us 
in a way that we feel like we're wrestling with its meaning. And yet, at the same time, um, while we struggle in our lives in different ways, I think the other aspect of this story is that ultimately, while we're struggling, we're struggling with hope. Even when Jacob is out there on his own with literally nothing, I will not let you go unless you bless me is not a statement of uh, giving up. It's Mm -hmm. a statement of of hope, right? Of expectation. And uh, so I I think that it ends us on a note where we can say, uh, Jacob certainly didn't see how life was going to go in that moment. And he will go forward blessed. He may be limping. And yet, at the same time, he's more whole than he's been ever. Yeah, that limping is the part that intrigues me the most. And I can only reflect on my own experience and, and probably you too, Pastor, of your call. Uh, you, you, you get this sense of God calling you to serve the church in this particular fashion. And you wrestle and you try to resist it. And you finally come to a conclusion. And, and you do realize that you have been, you've got a limp. You've, you've got something that's changed about you. And I guess in my own case, I would describe the limp as um, a heightened realization of my dependence upon God. Just as, you know, if I, when I've had a limp before, if I had an injury, a sports injury or something, if I have to use a cane or something, it reminds me of what I did. And, and that spiritual limp, I consider a, a gift, again, in my case at least, because it's always reminding me, I, you can't do this by yourself. You're, you're not on your own. Thanks be to God. I'm with you. Yeah. It's probably a really nice segue, I think, into Psalm 121. Um, And again, friends, as we've been doing, uh, we have the whole psalm here, uh, even though there will be a couple fewer verses on Sunday. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where is my help to come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The Lord will not let your foot be moved nor will the one who watches over you fall asleep. Behold, the keeper of Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will preserve you from all evil and will keep your life. The Lord will watch over your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. I think this is one of those psalms that uh, used a lot um, in pastoral care and in my yeah. own life. Um, those moments where we can't imagine where the source of our help can possibly be found. And if you've ever stood at the bottom of a mountain and looked up and, and you know, imagine that you have to climb this mountain, yeah. <laughs> uh, where's my help going to come from to get me up this hill? Um by the same token, of course, in Scripture, in the Hebrew Scripture, mountains are considered the dwelling places where we are most likely to encounter God. So when we're lifting our eyes up to the hills, it's that notion of God being found in those places. And that's particularly true with respect to Jerusalem, mm-hmm. which is an uphill slog. Uh, Psalm 121 is part of a collection of psalms that uh, typically would have been recited on the way to Jerusalem. Psalms of the Ascent, right? Indeed. Yeah. Uh, I've used Psalm 121 a lot at graveside services, partially because in this uh, area, most of our cemeteries have some vantage point that looks up to the the hills and the mountains around us. So it's um, a a very graphic reminder, uh, thanks to the geography, 
that uh, that God has not departed. God is still there. And, you know, I wrestle, I guess, a little bit with the language that the Lord will preserve you and nothing's going to happen to you. I, I think that's true in a spiritual sense, salvation sense, certainly not in a physical sense. We all have our aches and pains and we all suffer. All of us are going to die. But as verse 7 says, the Lord will preserve you from all evil and will keep your life. And I certainly think that's true in a spiritual and eternal way. It is, and I think it points up one of the things that um, talks about how we see time. Yeah, There is the time that is right here and now in front of us. There is the time that has most recently passed. There is the future, um, which we cannot fully see. And sometimes the only way that I can best describe where God was in my life is when I'm not in the thick of it. Every once in a while, yeah. there's one of those truly crazy things that happens that you see it right in the middle of you, like, oh my gosh, God is here, and that's a good thing. But sometimes it's when we reflect back and we can say, as the Psalms do, right? We've heard those kinds of Psalms before, yep. that even when there were all these things happening to us who were around us, yet we saw God's presence yeah. in God's people, in the creation, um, in things that uh, we experienced that carried us through the time, even if they weren't the fullness of what we were hoping for. Um, and that kind of preservation from evil is about keeping us from feeling completely separated. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And because that's what evil does. That's it's a symptom right. of sin, right, is separation. And remembering that God is always maintaining that connection, even if it feels tenuous to us. Yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right that we often don't realize it until long after the fact, which is why verse eight is such a helpful verse. If you could commit this to memory or, or pin it to your heart some way, the Lord will watch over your going out and your coming in from this time forth forevermore. Mm -hmm. Say that verse to yourself if you're in the midst of a struggle and, and really having a hard time feeling God. Cling, if you can't cling to God's presence uh, in a tangible way, cling to God's promise because yeah. God keeps promises. That's why I use verses one and two in that way. I lift up my eyes to yeah. the hills from where my help is to come. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Absolutely. You know, the God who can create heaven and earth uh, can certainly be my helper. Amen. Um, it is sort of like, surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in him and not be afraid, which is Isaiah 12 mm. two. It's another one of those ones that just, if you commit it to memory, sometimes you can find yourself saying it uh, when you need it. Yeah, good. So, well, let's move into our uh, second reading for this Sunday, which is the third chapter of Second Timothy, uh, starting in verse fourteen and that's going. It's a, a lot of numbers. Through, uh, yeah, going through <laughs> chapter four, verse five. <laughs> Just in case you didn't have enough numbers. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. And in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the witness, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable, convince 
rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but have itching ears. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. Hmm. Well, you know, when we get to the time will come when people won't put up with sound doctrine but have itching ears looking for teachers to suit their own desires, it seems like that's a universal uh, possibility as long as humans have been around. Yeah, it is. You know, all of us at some level want to be served. We want to be affirmed. We want to be entertained. We want to be validated. We want whatever it is that gives us what we want, even if it involves walking away from the truth. That's just the human condition. It is. So I'm wondering what in this particular epistle passage is uh, leaping out to you? You know, I love the humanity of it, uh, the universality of that first paragraph where, again, uh, this is kind of inside baseball stuff. We're not sure Paul actually wrote this, but it's in the voice of Paul. So just to keep it simple, Paul is earlier to this reminding Timothy of how he's sort of stuck with the program and endured. But now he's reminding Timothy that Timothy is likewise capable of that because he's been equipped by his family, by the spiritual formation he's received in the church, and by Holy Scripture. He's had given all these tools, and so he's he's giving Timothy a sense of, um, uh, I guess, um, assurance that hard times are coming, but you've got what you need. You can make it. You can make it. God's with you. I think about here at Grace, um, because we all come from so many varied backgrounds yeah. and yeah. experiences um, that not everyone who is here at Grace can say, you know, from my childhood, these are the things that I was taught. Right. And it's the importance of uh, what the early church certainly was in terms of being a household of faith, mm-hmm. that your family is not just your biological family. Your family is all of your siblings in, in Christ, in the household of faith. And childhood is not just biological childhood, although it is for Timothy, um, that our learning and growing up in faith Mm -hmm. is something that is the work of all of us together as the household of faith. And I think that it is a real strength when we see that we are all uh, truly children of God growing in faith and that we share in this together. Sometimes we're the one who can proclaim the message. Sometimes we need the message proclaimed to us. Yeah. Sometimes we are the ones who need convincing and encouraging. Other times we are the ones that God can use to do that work. Um, to quite literally be an evangelist means to share the good news yeah. of Jesus Christ. And this is not just for pastors or deacons or certain people. It truly is our work together as the household, God's family that's created in faith. I want to point a word out in the first few verses there that can be misunderstood, but in its original Greek form, completely affirms what you've just said. It's it's this word in verse 17, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient. Hmm. Proficient. Now, sometimes, uh, and reasonably so, we would think that uh, in English, proficient means perfect. 
uh, highly skilled. But the, the Greek word actually means complete or capable. It, it recognizes that each of us have a, a kind of a different level of proficiency based upon our own gifts. We all have different things we can do well, and we've all been made for different purposes. Um, I, again, as the saying goes, the sunflower's glory is different from that of the rose. And thank God we've got both of them to have one flower and all of our gardens would be pretty boring indeed. So please don't hear proficient as some sort of uh, external measure of perfection that frankly is beyond all of us. And actually what makes us complete is the gift of faith in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is how we participate in the life, death, and resurrection um, of, of Jesus in the work of the cross. That's what makes us complete. Not that someone is super intelligent That's right. or um, has memorized all the right chapters and verses. Some of the most profound moments of faith being shared and lived out and meaningful for another person's life have come not from people who necessarily were academic. They were simply people who were willing to allow the Holy Spirit to work within them. And, and God does the rest. That's right. God does the rest. Wow. Why don't we uh, move into the gospel for this coming Sunday? Yeah, the gospel comes to us from the 18th chapter of Luke. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused. But later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So as I was saying in our uh, staff devotions that we had on this passage uh, this morning, back when I was in law school, which was a very long time ago now, uh, we would be given these scenarios or, or patterns of, you know, you're given statements and some of these things are facts and some of these things might be perceptions, but you're trying to figure out what has happened in a given situation and then, you know, what to do about it or what do we do with it? And there's a term uh, in those fact patterns when they're teaching people to be lawyers that's called the red herring. And the red herring is the thing that catches your attention and yet it's actually not the point. And I bring that up here because it's easy to latch onto, and I've heard people do it, and I've heard sermons preached on it, where people latch onto the unjust judge, and then we sort of get stuck there. That's the shiny object that we get stuck on, rather than remembering that the parable is not intended to tell us a truth about the unjust judge. It's intended to tell us something that Jesus wants to impart that is necessary for us to follow him, which is what verse 1 is saying, that the parable is about the need to pray and to not lose heart. And this particular passage actually relates all the way back to the very beginning of the Gospel of Luke, even before the uh, Christmas narrative that we hear in the Charlie Brown Christmas special, the very opening of the Gospel of Luke. 
Many have undertaken to compile an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. And so it seemed good for me as well, because I have followed all things carefully from the beginning, to write an an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know for certain the things you were taught. And this is sort of bookending now here uh, to some degree in the parable that Jesus is telling, that to give us the certainty about the things that we've been taught. And what Jesus is teaching here is not only that we have a need to pray, but that we don't have to lose heart when we pray, even when we're praying and things are not immediately working in the way or the time that we might see. Because unlike the unjust judge, who might only decide to do something because they're irritated and they want to have to be done with this person, that's not how God sees us. God sees us with eyes of love, with grace, and with mercy. And God wants us to call upon God and to believe that when we do that, God is listening, God is acting even when we can't see it. That's true for us. It's also true for how we see each other in this world. Because there will be other times when God is going to say, you know, Scott, you're the person who needs to help this person when they're in a struggle for justice or for help in some way. Uh, I call you. Mm -hmm. And part of prayer in that context then becomes, Lord, help me be who you're telling me to be. But by being in constant prayer, it helps us to feel connected, to remember what we've been taught, and to believe that God is at work, and then be ready to be surprised, not only in the ultimate results, but in how God shows up along the way, and people and events that are there to do what the Lord's Prayer tells us, to give us this day our daily bread. Well, we'll look forward to hearing from you on Sunday. I think you've got a prayer for us as well. I do. So this week I have uh, a prayer from Circle of Grace by Jan Richardson, and it is entitled The Art of Enduring. This blessing can wait as long as you can, longer. This blessing began eons ago and knows the art of enduring. This blessing has passed through ages and generations, witnessed the turning of centuries, weathered the spiraling of history. This blessing is in no rush. This blessing will plant itself by your door, will keep vigil and chant prayers, will bring a friend for company, will pack a lunch and a thermos of coffee. This blessing will bide its sweet time until it hears the beginning of breath, the stirring of limbs, the stretching, reaching, rising of what had lain dead within you and is ready to return. Amen. Amen. Friends, thanks for listening today. We invite you to join us here at Grace every Wednesday evening at 5.30 for our Super Wednesday meal in Harkins Hall. This week, we'll have a very special celebration of a landmark birthday for Grace's own Matthew Campbell. Afterwards, Pastor Hetrick's Bible study, Reforesting Faith, will conclude in the Fireside Room. Now, the following Wednesday, October 19th, our Super Wednesday meal will be followed at 6.30 p.m., with our annual healing service. It is a very moving and meaningful service that I urge you to attend. And of course, stay tuned for Sunday. It's a big weekend at Grace as we welcome a large and wonderful group of new members and participate in the annual Crop Walk, which is an important part of our array of feeding ministries here at Grace. We gather in person in our sanctuary at 8, 9, 10, 30, and 6 p.m., or you can listen to our radio broadcast on WRSC, available locally at 93.3 FM, 1390 AM, 
or streamable from foreverstatecollege.com. You can also see and hear our 1030 service via our live stream video, which you can access at any time by going to our website, glcpa.org. The first thing you'll see, it says homepage alert, and click on the blue words that say click here, and it'll take you to our live and prior worship services. Join us at 1030 or watch it later. Friends, however we gather, it is a joy to be together with you in person or in spirit as together we follow Jesus. Take care, friends.